there, and welcome to the Depot Cast for Thursday, July 23rd. Uh, I am only briefly going to be on this one. Uh, I'm Mike. Mackenzie is on assignment. And uh, this week, as we promised, we have an interview. We actually planned ahead, and we're following through on a thing that we promised. That's weird, isn't it? It's, that's very weird. I mean, <laughs> to, to have a plan. So our plan was uh, I do less work. So I've thrown Mary under the bus, and she's going to uh, conduct an interview today. And I even taught her how to operate our podcast equipment, um, which was not nearly as rife with errors as I thought we would get. Like, we did all right. This, we could always do better. This is probably the, not a great system that we use, but we, it works. So if it blows up in the middle of it, it blame me. I, I'm 100% to fault. <laughs> or me. I mean, we can always just blame me. It's fine. So uh, I'm going to get out of here. By get out of here, I mean I'm going to go sit quietly off to the side and not make noise. But uh, Mary, who are you talking to today? I am talking to Elizabeth Wayman. Very excited to have her in the building today. Um, Elizabeth has been a longtime friend of Duran Union Station. And I'm getting all teary-eyed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> longtime friend of the organization. Uh, she used to work for The Independent. And while she was there, she did a lot of uh, stories about Duran Union Station and the things that we were doing. A um, couple years back, I actually asked, uh, asked Elizabeth to be, uh, sit on our board of directors, and she turned me down the first time because she was busy writing books, so to totally understood. But uh, I think last year, was it, Beth? Mm -hmm. Last yep. year, um, she accepted the challenge to sit on our board, and so she is an active member of our board of directors, which is good. She has a lot of great ideas, and it's, it's been fun to be able to interact with her on a, on a regular basis instead of just when events come through. Um, so Elizabeth, uh, about a year ago, sat down, uh, she... How did we start this? It, it was conversations about Norma Ward mm -hmm. and, and telling the story of Norma and how the, the, the ladies of Duran made a point of making sure Duran Union Station existed, that it did not get torn down, um, which is a whole story in itself, and we will get to that at one point, but that whole conversation led... Elizabeth to a book that she just recently finished called The Year the Stars Fell. Mm -hmm. So Beth, tell us a little bit about where you went from figuring out and learning the history of Duran Union Station to the book. Well, I was, thank you very much, Mary. I was researching um, a particular tidbit of information that I was trying to find about um, two or even more farmers in the area that were um, going to bribe a surveyor to bring the union or to bring the depot closer to Durand instead of Gaines. So I started to research that, and in the process, kind of like a rabbit following or a, a dog following a rabbit trail, I got off kilter by um, a little community that started in Shiawassee County in 1833 by the name of North Newburgh. 
And because of that little side note, I began to see not only facts and information about the town emerge, but also um, an information about a particular family called the Baker family, that little tidbits of information started to, to um, evolve through all of my research, and I was shocked to realize there was a huge story there. I um, just had the opportunity to finish the book up, and it, I, because I grew up in Duran, lived out on Lansing Road, um, so went to Duran High School. I, I know the area, but when I was reading through the book, it, it was a combination of getting so engrossed in the characters, but then being pulled back into, oh, I know that name, or I know that area. It, it was, it was a, a wonderful experience, a wonderful adventure to read through this book and, and knowing the local, you know, the names. And that was a lot of fun for me when I was reading through the book. I also remember the day that you sat in my office and you made a comment to the effect of, I found this story I need to, um, I need to search. I, I found this story and it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't Norma's story, it wasn't the story of the building here. Um, it, that was neat to, to sit with you and go, oh, wow, you know, she has this powerful story that needs to be told and, and then being able to read through the book. Tell us a little bit more about the Baker family. They, they originated in Pennsylvania. Yes, they were, they were actually, both Jose and Sally were born in New York for some reason, and it sounds like it was a tragic um, circumstance or a maybe like a bankruptcy that pushed them into Pennsylvania very early in their marriage. Um, that's kind of unclear to me for sure, but they moved to a little town called Meadville. Actually, the, I kind of made up the Meadville where they were located because it said they were from Crawford County. So I looked up Crawford County, found Meadville in there and thought, okay, that's where they're from. <laughs> uh, and, um, but they they uh, originated from there, and he was an adventurer. He loved adventure. He loved, uh, he, I kind of I relate him to Pa Ingalls a little bit because Pa Ingalls always had that spirit anymore. I just want to go somewhere new. I just want to try something different. I just want to move. And he seems to me to be, have that same spirit in him. So um, the Baker family came around um, in my research and so I just started investigating a little bit so more about them. This was 1833. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. just from my history background, my genealogy background, it's hard to find information that far back. Mm -hmm. You know, what did you have to do while you were researching to to pull bits and pieces together to create the story? Well, like I said, I was researching about the depot. And that led me to just find Shiawassee County history. I was trying to find some prominent Durand um, people, uh, businessmen, in fact, to see if that they would be the ones that were trying to bribe the surveyor. And in that process, I found just this side note about this little North Newburgh, and I thought, that's really odd. I've never heard of that little village at all. And then the more I looked them up and the more I researched even North Newburgh, it was a complete little... It was it was quite a huge village in Shawasee County that is no longer it even exists, <laughs> and I was shocked by that because I thought you know 
you know, Bancroft got its start here, Owasso got its start here, but I'd never heard of North Newburgh. Um, it included several businesses, it included um, two hotels, um, there were um, two, a grist mill and a sawmill, which in fact, Hosea Baker himself did establish. Um, which is part of, a little bit a part of the story. He at least yes. introduces the fact that that is one of his dreams that he wants to have a grist mill. Correct. And he also, they, they would utilize the river. The river was pretty much their main central focus as far as, you know, living on the river. They would bathe there. They would do their laundry there. They would, um, the communication, because they were so out in the middle of nowhere, communication would come down the river where the traders would come down the river. The Indians would travel the river so they would know things were happening in the area because of the travel the people traveling on the river so that was really their only communication with the outside world because they were they were there wasn't anybody else around in that in that time in Shawasee County other than the fur traders and the Indians so North Newburgh is a place mm -hmm. and yeah. it is east uh, excuse me west of Durand correct mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's on the corner of Newburgh and Bancroft Roads right there where the Shawasee the Shawasee River crosses crosses Newburgh Road um, that's the area where it, and, and there is, there are houses still there, and there is a block even if you go over the bridge, over the river um, on Newburgh Road and the very first road to the left. There are two roads actually before you hit um, Bancroft Road, and those, it, those go south, and that's a little block area in there that has houses on there. And they're 1800s they're from the 1800s I think there's there could be only maybe one or two that are actual from that era I have yet to research that to know for sure um things that I that struck me while I was reading the book um presidential signed patent for land it talks about in the book that um, Jose purchases x number of acres mm -hmm. he, he purchases 600, 600 acres, acres. Mm -hmm. yeah and the cost of the acreage dollar 25 an acre could you imagine <laughs> i think that's why they they liked it so much that's why they pe the people were flocking here in droves um they thought man if i could get acreage for that amount of money and if it's good tillable land why not so 600 acres a dollar 25 an acre that's a lot of money for somebody That's to be true. carrying from Pennsylvania to the Michigan Territory. I mean, just that whole that whole thought of you know, you're, it, how many people carry that kind of money? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I do know he did. He did. There are records that said he worked super hard in Pennsylvania once he had um, left. New York to travel here to be in Pennsylvania. There are records that say he worked very hard to garner enough money to go west. So that was his initial idea and thought, but he still had to take care of a family at the same well, time. So and, and even you know all the supplies that would have been needed to travel and, and the and the because he he um, took his family to Lake Erie to get on a steamboat, mm -hmm. the cost to put a uh, wagon and oxen and children on a steamboat. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, uh, the steamboat issue is really, was really a lot, I did a lot of research on it and I still didn't find a lot of 
specifics about the boats themselves, but um, back then the steamboat travel had grown so much on Lake Erie because of the Erie Canal. So um, there were some pioneers and some settlers that did take their whole ox or their whole cart and ox their whole wagon and oxen on the ships and would travel with. A lot of people just went as passengers, um, only because probably the cost. Passengers, I my memory's kind of going now. I think it was $2 a person to go, um, or a dollar, I can't remember. It was a dollar or $2 a person to travel from Erie to Detroit. But for them, it would that would have been $6, you know, just to get on the boat to travel. I'm sure it would have been higher if they'd have taken their wagons. That's why in Detroit, while there, they would, they would buy wagons. So they probably would maybe sell them before they headed onto the steamship and then bought wagons in Detroit. Um, that was just a normal practice back then. That makes sense. The other thing that struck me um, is uh, 25 cents for a stamp. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that odd? And, and what we pay now, 50? Is it 50 <laughs> right. or 52 cents? 50, 52, I never remember. Yeah, and I never remember either. You just Because <laughs> it goes up all the time. Right. But that struck me as huge because I when I read that, I kind of did a double take because I thought, no way. I mean, it was two cents when I was a little girl. Even yes. five, I remember it five cents. So I thought, wonder why it was so high back then. But that explains a lot about how isolated they probably felt. They probably didn't get word to people that, hey, we derived, we're here. You know, especially they didn't have text or anything to say that. But, you know, <laughs> they, they couldn't even afford to get a stamp, to put a stamp on a letter, you know, to get it back home to say, hey, we're arrived. We think it's great. Come. <laughs> so, yes, to get a letter or anything was probably just a treasure that they, you know, they really were were excited to be able to get a letter at any time. It, it would be neat, uh, as I was reading, it would be neat to, and I, I, I should Google it, um, what does that equate to today? You know, yes. a 25 cent stamp in 1833 versus what that would cost today. Right. It's it's something I need to look up. Be, and I did. I referenced Google a couple of different times. <laughs> to see if I was right. <laughs> well, no, just to understand yes. um, the diseases yes. that you, that this family experienced. You want to mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that? Well, one of the biggest menaces of the early territory in Michigan Territory were mosquitoes. Now, we all can, un if you're from Michigan, you totally understand that completely. Back then, though, they were, you know, we, 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 uh, have planes now that go over and spray for mosquitoes before the summer even hits in the worst areas. Back then there were there was nothing <laughs> like that. And so the mosquitoes, they said, were so intense that a lot of times they just couldn't sleep. If they were sleeping outside, it was almost impossible. Um, they also, um, the it is reported that women, at, while they were kneading bread dough or um, even rolling out pastry, that there would be black spots in their dough. So they probably ate more mosquitoes too than normal, just because of the intense, you know, population of mosquitoes. So like mosquitoes are a menace to us now, even today, um, they were 10 times worse back then. So yeah, I, that struck me as I was reading through the book. And, and these are things that you don't even think about nowadays, mm -hmm. you know, but the book truly transforms you back to the 1800s, the way it's written and the, the, um, 
you know, the information that you relay throughout the book. It, it captures you and, and pulls you back into their time, which was, is pretty awesome. Well, thank you. There was a quote, and then this isn't even a, a question or anything, but I, I read this, these couple of sentences and I just thought, wow, this is wonderful. Um, Betsy stood outside, lantern in hand, um, as she was looking into the darkness. The trees towered overhead in the darkness. The horizon brightened as the sunrise approached. Y you can do that today. Yes, I mean, right. you can watch the sunrise in Michigan and, and be in awe of it. it. It this really spoke to me. Um, but the night stars clung clung to the sky, as a reluctant as it as if reluctantly to give away to the dawn. I love those two <laughs> sentences. Love those two sentences. You know, the funniest thing about that whole that whole process right there was. Um, there's a virgin forest in Michigan, and it's up right off of 75 as you're going heading north. And the name of the place kind of goes from me right now. But there is virgin timber up there, and I literally had my husband stop there on, on our way up north one, one week because I was researching this. And I wanted to know what it looked like to be in virgin timber and, and what, it, you know, to see how could you see the sky. And you can't see the sky. It's very hard to see the sky through trees that are, are so such large and tall trees, even if they were the pine trees, like that's where that's a lot of the pine is up there. That's a lot of the virgin timber up there. Um, and so I went up there on purpose just to see how much could you see? And probably they never saw storms approach. They never saw, um, I mean, they probably would get glimpses of the sun reflecting through the trees especially for, you know, the sunset or the sunrises. But it probably was a pretty blinding thing to not be able to see, you know, weather approaching or um, <laughs> just to know, you know, is it going to snow soon? You know, where now, because our fields are plowed and we have the lack of trees, um, you could see a little bit more. So even during the story, I really tried, especially as they were making their way up to Shiawassee County from um, Pontiac to make sure that they, you know, that was hard for them to even adjust to, to know is darkness coming because you can't see the sky. Any, I mean, you can't see the sky for the trees. And that's one of the reasons Hosea Baker loved Michigan is for the trees. That was one of his favorite things in life. And when he saw the trees, he knew this was a place he wanted to live. So that was kind of an interesting tidbit too. Yeah, the it's referenced a couple of times through the book the um the isolation the the feeling of you know being being the first family here you know and the 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 closeness of everything mm -hmm. definitely so um i think when i was finishing the last few chapters of the book i had the Great pleasure to be able to text Beth <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> um, you're still doing research on this family. Yes, I am. Absolutely. And also on this little village called North Newburgh. It was a, it was a metropolis of its time in Shiawassee County, which we just never, I just never knew anything about. And I thought if I don't know, know about it, living here my whole life, other people probably don't know about it. So yes, I, I'm researching about North Newburgh. 
also the Baker family, and I've been contacted by relatives that live in Nevada and um, Florida about the Baker family. They're distant relatives of my Hosea Baker's um, grandson, who was named after him, Hosea Baker Swain. And um, so it's been really interesting to get Betsy's to know them, child. too. It is Betsy's child. Wow. Yes. yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're kind of connecting to see if that could... I probably won't venture too much into his story because their family is kind of wanting to produce a story about him, too. So, um, but my my family, um, three of the family members that I talked about, no, I'm sorry, four family members are buried out in the Newburgh Cemetery, um, which is just north of Newburgh Road on Bancroft Road. And the rest of the family moved to Nuego, you probably about um, 1855, and that's where they're all buried. Hmm. Okay. And there was multiple children. Yes. Betsy and Aaron had eight children. Really? Yes. Okay. I, I don't want to give away too much of any future <laughs> books, but I, I would love to know more about about all the characters. Um, one of the first texts I think I sent to you was the dynamic between Ma and Pa. Ma was a little feisty and not... <laughs> too happy with her husband's choices sometimes mm-hmm. that that was interesting you know because you, you think okay this is the early 1800s and and women had their roles but she spoke her mind <laughs> to her chagrin sometimes yes <laughs> she didn't really want to do that but at the same time she is frustrated by having to move so much and it, I can imagine back then they would just get established where and then they, not only did they just get established, but they would have to leave so many of their possessions to move to a different place. And I'm sure as a woman, that probably was hard. I would, can imagine that, you know, just leave a rocket chair that meant a lot or um, memorabilia from the children or, you know, they just would up and leave. And they couldn't take furniture with them. So I'm sure a lot of their possessions from maybe their own parents or their own grandparents had to be left behind. And that would be, that would be horrible hard for me. I don't know about everybody else. Yes, we (laughs) we love our things, don't we? Yes, we we do. (laughs) Our passed down from generations things. Oh, yes. Yes. Definitely, definitely. And and the women in this story, um, you know, not wanting to give away too much, Betsy being the focus of the story, Mm -hmm. and and she has younger sisters, they were strong. Yes. They were very, and I, I don't think they knew that ahead of time. No, I don't think so either. They I, learned it on the. They learned it by living on the trail and being such early settlers. Right. Absolutely. Where I think we kind of miss that sometimes we forget that we can be stronger than we think we can. Maybe. Very inspiring book. I I am over the top excited for book two. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Hopefully, book two and book three. But the way it's going, I didn't fish. I wasn't able to put everything in book one that I wanted to, so uh, it could be even more. I don't know. We'll see. But it's exciting to learn about the Bakers, well, especially for our air, for where we live. Yes, and, and I think this this is a book that it gives inspiration. You know, tells history. It gives inspiration. Um, it, it's just a wonderful read. Thank you very much. That's I pay Mary a lot to see. <laughs> No, she doesn't, but. <laughs> uh, it was an exciting book to write. 
It really is, and it's still it's still just I'm I'm flabbergasted that I'm able to tell that story and be able to um, write something so unique and and classic to our community. Definitely, definitely. Well, I I think that it should be recommended to everyone. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I was I was thinking um, when I was when my kids were younger, um, we had a mops group in Byron. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, every mops mom needs to read this book. And it, it, it's definitely worth the read. Well, and most of my former readers are women. And this one, thankfully, I'm starting to get men readers now. <laughs> so that's good. But I'd love, I'd, love for the, I'd love for school kids, especially in high school, we don't learn enough about our history. Our history is important to um, our well-being and what we, what we see and get out of our community. And I think Shiawassee County history is important, too. That's why I like the depot. I love the depot and because it's our history, and we need to keep that intact as much as possible. Yep, embrace it and celebrate it, and absolutely. Yeah, and this well, and we talked a little bit earlier today about the fact that there, there is no historical marker in that area. My plan is to change that. <laughs> <laughs> Before, what's well, on my new bucket list? <laughs> yeah, to make sure there's a, well there, and we have in Shiawassee County, we have a uh, a small but strong historical entities. Yes in Shiawassee County. So it will be, you know, it it could definitely happen, make it happen that we can we can celebrate that particular area. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be here. That is very true. Very true. The railroad probably wouldn't That's right. You know, all these things that happen because of one family. Yes. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I look forward to the next book and excited to, to learn what your research brings you. Yes, yes. Don't get me started because then <laughs> I don't stop most of the time. <laughs> Good job. Yay. So uh, next week uh, is our Mackenzie's farewell episode. She has to go off. Well, she doesn't have to, but she's going to go off to Lake Superior State and uh, – leave us for a little while uh, so we let her pick and she decided to pick Christmas in July so that's what we're going to talk about next week um, but we hope you'll join us uh, thanks again Beth for being on the show you're very welcome thank you thanks for making it so I had a really easy half an hour just now <laughs> I got paid to sit here and just listen to a podcast so that was great um, and we'll catch you next week hey if you have a question for the podcast send it to depotcast at uh, at gmail.com. We don't actually have it on the real website. The books are also available at the oh, Depot yes. Museum we as well. Oh, do need to talk about that. I think yes. actually McKinsey pitched that last week. Very good. But, uh, yeah, we have uh, Elizabeth's books on sale here at Duran Union Station. They're also on the website. So if you cannot make it to Duran, we would be more than happy to package one up and uh, put it in the mail for you. Um, not only does it, it uh, help help Elizabeth uh, continue with her writing endeavors, but it supports Duran Union Station. So, And uh, if people want to get a hold of you and ask you a bunch of questions about the book you just wrote, how are they going to do that? They can get on my website, which is www.elizabethwayman.com, or you can email me at elizabethwayman at yahoo.com. Awesome. All right. So uh, we'll catch you next week.
Thanks for being on the podcast, and we'll see you around.